minutes, if you will. <clears throat> talking about spiritual gifts. Talking about how the spiritual gifts have been misused. We're talking about, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. We talk about Satan, how he's a great counterfeiter. And he truly is. He truly is. He counterfeits all those things that are good that God gives us. And he tries to deceive us. Sometimes we deceive ourselves. But there's got to be something to these gifts, folks. When you're saved, when you receive Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, God gives you a gift. And the idea for the giving you that gift is so that you might use that gift within the local body that God has put you in that you might help to edify the body. And we're to, I'm getting in the message, but I'm, we're to present ourselves like Christ within the church. But then we are to impact the world. Again, we're here in 1 Corinthians, and it's talking about the church of Corinth. And we know that church of Corinth was called a what? Carnal church. A carnal church. And they brought so many things in with it. And you say, well, you're taking some time here. You're kind of belaboring the point. Exactly. We need to get it. We need to get it. There's a lot of uh, bad information out there. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me take a drink of water first. We'll see how long that lasts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. We're just going to get back through the, verse, the first three verses. We're going to do a little bit of recap and hopefully get into some new things and then be ready to get into verses 4 through 7 next week. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you be ignorant. Apparently there's some ignorance going on. There's some misuse of the gifts. It says, Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaketh by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Pray with me as I pray. Folks, you know, and I just want to mention it. You can look up this way. We've come here on purpose. If God's going to do a work in your life, you have to on purpose say, I'm going to meet with you, God. I'm going to meet with you, God. I need you to meet with me. I need you to speak with me. We have churches full of Christians that seemingly seem to be afraid to talk about having a relationship with God. It shouldn't be that way. He personally, he personally paid my debt on Calvary, and he personally saved me. When I received that free gift, he saved me. And he wants so badly to be on my point of salvation to grow me so that he might use me. And so God really has an interest in you. You might think, well, nobody cares for me. Nobody really likes me. You might stop and say, I really don't have any real close friends. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus loves you. Loves you so much, child of God. And he wants so desperately to have a relationship with you. Let's, on purpose, get involved as God speaks through his word and his Holy Spirit this morning. Father, I ask that you would be with me as I attempt to delineate the information of have before me, dear God. We understand that you did not leave us without any resources. You didn't leave us without any hope 
We know that your Holy Spirit is a comforter. Uh, God, we understand, uh, we certainly know about your son dying on the cross and providing salvation and that he paid the penalty and sin of all mankind. But God, beyond that, there's so many things to learn. There's so many things that we could, as we get into your word and, and grow in you, Lord, and begin to mature, that would just help us in our everyday life as those trials come by every day, those troubles, those problems come by, God, and we just seemingly are struggling to get through it. When, if we'd have taken the time to have grown a relationship with you and let your word speak to our heart, God, that we'd have found comfort there. God, I pray that you'd teach us this morning. God, we'd ask that you'd do a work in the membership here of McKee Road Baptist Church. We look at this body as a body that you fitly joined together. So, Father, may we use it for the purpose that you intended. Help us now this day, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And chapter 12, I'm going to stick closely in my notes, lays out the theology of what he's talking about, uh, gifts here. In chapter 13, when we get to chapter 13, that's great. That's known as the love chapter. It's, uh, it, it really uses it on, on how to get along with people. If you're looking for a, a mate, if you're looking for somebody to, uh, that you're going to want to spend the rest of your life with, you want to make sure that you've got these things down in chapter 13 because it talks about love. And actually, it talks about all the things that I would do, all the things that you would do to display your love. And it's interesting when you look through those verses. It doesn't say anything about what you're getting back because love gives. Love gives. Love's willing to be hurt. And then chapter 14, he deals with the abuses of the gifts. Uh, these three features are identified as Paul's basic presentation of the gifts. Remember the first 11 chapters. He's going to the church of Corinth and he's saying, here's your problem. Here's your problem. Remember somebody wrote him and said, hey, there's problems going on at the church. We need you to come and take and deal with this. And so he did. And so he, he came and he wrote uh, 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> We're going to go a little further in verse 1 today. Uh, verse 1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you be ignorant. And when we talk about the word spiritual, spiritual, it's spiritual. When we talk about spiritual gifts. Gifts is understood. Uh, it's the first descriptive term of the ministries of Christ given to the church. And it speaks of their source. The gifts, if the gifts are not of the Holy Spirit, then they're not by the Holy Spirit. If they're not of the Holy Spirit, then they're not by the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, if you can keep up with me, go ahead and turn there, if you will. John 16, so have your phones or your, how many are working off your uh, uh, actual Bible you got an actual Bible? Hold it up. Okay. All right. How many got those phones out? Okay. That's good. Again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come up with that uh, page app where it sounds like pages turning when you're going. <laughs> and then I'll make good money. Okay. John chapter 16, verses 13 through 14 says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Hmm. The Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. Uh, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Verse 14, he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Whatever the ministries are that God has given to the church, they are called spiritual. 
They're called spiritual. Now, what's that mean? Pneuma, pneuma is Holy Spirit. P-N-E-U-M-A. Pneuma, that's the Holy Spirit. And whatsoever things, these gifts, that they're controlled, they're to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And what we have out here a lot in a lot of churches today, I submit to you, are not controlled by the Holy Spirit. They're manufactured within our, our own being. We talked a little bit about ecstasy. It's how you just kind of get yourself worked up into a frenzy where you kind of go semi-conscious. Uh, semi uh, so we'll get into that a little bit later too. Uh, she says, I want to talk to you about concerning these gifts that the Holy Spirit has given as a characteristic of himself. Spiritual is just taking, just talking about their basic source. Biblical gifts find their source from something, and that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Not ecstasy, not enthusiasm, as we talked about. It's essential to the church that we have no ignorance, though. Go back here to verse 1. It says, I would not have you ignorant. This is what was going on in this carnal church, this church where the city had invaded the church rather than the church invading the city. They were ignorant of these gifts. You drop on down to verse, well, if you go back to chapter 1, verse 7. Let me see if I think I've got the right verse. It says, so that you come behind, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is something we need to kind of get an understanding of. This church had all the gifts. This church had everything in place. They weren't lacking anything. They had all that they needed, but they weren't using them. As a matter of fact, they were using them incorrectly. McKeever Baptist Church, we have all the gifts. I mean, if we truly believe that God has fitly joined this body together in order to march forward, to be a lighthouse, we're to be the salt and light in our community, in this world, our world, if we truly believe that, God has, whether we believe it or not, God has given us that. Now go to verse 2. Go to verse 2. It says, Ye know that ye were Gentiles, <clears throat> or you're heathen. He's talking about being a heathen. Uh, foreign nations not worshiping the true God, pagans or Gentiles. Carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. These two verses, for the most part in the study, uh, have been treated kind of lightly by many people. When you, if you read commentaries or listen to messages, I listen to a message as driving... Uh, up here this morning, and I try to use my time on the road. Uh, you know, I'm getting to be older, uh, Lynn. I, <laughs> I don't have as much time left, so I'm trying to use my time wisely. So if I have a chance to listen to somebody talk about the Lord, I'll listen to them talk about the Lord. But a lot of commentaries usually treat these couple of verses kind of lightly. They kind of gloss over them and don't go into them in depth, and we're going to try to do that a little bit today. Um <clears throat> Look at verse 2. It says, You know that you were Gentiles. The word Gentile 
means, in its technical sense, means non-Jew, a non-Jew. In its non-technical sense, it means non-Christians, non-Christians. And so it is Gentile or it's translated heathen. In other words, they did not know Christ, not, did not know Christ, heathen. Uh, so it is, it, it is a non-Christian sense, the word Gentile is used here, the non-Jewish sense. Uh, you can go back to First Thessalonians chapter 4, and it uses the verse the same way. So he's saying you're a pagan. You're a pagan. And you are carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Here you have a picture of a victim. Somebody that's wrapped up into a religious system or a religious religion and has little or no choice about what they're doing. They're being led away. Led away. I mean, if you have small children and you take your children somewhere with you, you lead them to where they're going to go. Kind of in the same sense. These people were being led in a way that they had no ability. They had no ability uh, to overcome where they were being carried away. So they were being carried away, and they were being carried away where? To dumb idols. To dumb idols. Scripture calls it dumb idols. Uh, this guy is strictly a victim. Strictly a victim. These people get wrapped up in these uh, gifts or victim. Uh, the word carried away is used frequently in the Bible, and it speaks of leading a prisoner or a condemned person away to prison. Uh, turn to Mark chapter 14, verse 44. Mark 14, verse 44. It says, and he that betrayed them had given them a token, whomsoever I shall kiss, that same as he. Take him and lead him away safely. In verse 16 in Mark 15, it says, and the soldiers led him away, led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole band. So here, this is picturing somebody that's caught, as somebody that's been shackled, okay, but put in handcuffs. And they're dragged away to where? To a dumb idol. Dragged away to a dumb idol. He has no choice. No choice. I, I go, go back to my high school days, getting ready to graduate. And uh, what are you going to do? Well, hey, I'm going to try to play baseball. But Vietnam War was going on. So you go, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And so uh, back then, how do you remember the lottery numbers? They had lottery numbers. My lottery number was like 264, Tim. So I go, well, baseball it is. I'm going to play baseball. I had some others, though, that their lottery number was not quite as high as mine. So they said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be my old man, and I'm going to join the Marines. And I thought to myself, well, not for the time you're in there. <laughs> You'll be their man. You'll be their man. And they came out the better for it. But they were led away. They were, uh, once they got in there, they were a helpless victim. They had to do what the service said, right? Okay. Um, at any rate, as you go through this, you learn that in this situation, there was nothing but a pagan, and they were being carried away to a dumb deity, a dumb deity. 
we do not serve a dumb deity. We serve the holy and true living God. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, Ye were servants, servants of sin. A servant doesn't have the right to make his own choices. The servant does what the master says. You go to work for a job, your boss says, this is what I want you to do. And you do that or you're no longer their servant. We're not slaves in this society, but the same thinking goes hand in hand. And the Bible says that we were servants of sin. And this is a picture then of an ungodly man, a heathen man. And he was led away to worship a non-God, a non-deity. You know, everybody, whether they would say or not, worships something somewhere. They worship something somewhere. Even those that would say, I don't believe in God, or I don't know if there's a God. They worship something somewhere. <clears throat> In the case of the Corinthian people, they'd been led away to their idolatry, the gods, those dumb idols. He calls them dumb. In that sense, they were dumb that they could not speak. They couldn't answer. They couldn't respond. They couldn't give any direction. They couldn't say anything. They uttered nothing. They uttered nothing. But you know what? That is the plight of the religious man. The religious man without Christ. The religious man without Christ. The religious man doesn't know the true God and is being led away to that dumb deity. He never knows the true freedom and the true dignity of the Son of God. The freedom that you have in Jesus Christ this morning. Just think of it. <clears throat> this is kind of a recurring theme over and over in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you'll turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> Verses 19 and 20 says, What say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils. And not to God. In other words, to no God, to, to non-gods. Galatians chapter 4. Flip over there. Galatians chapter 4. Verse 8. It says, Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. You go down to verse 17. It says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth, henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Again, darkness, blindness, alienation, dumbness. This characterizes the worship of an unregenerated individual. One that is lost. And this goes on and on throughout Scripture. It's very common. Turn over now to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. In verse 3 it says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, 
deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy and hateful and hating one another. And, you know, let me just stop there. And Some of those things I just read in those terms, that should not be a part of the Christian life. It says you were sometimes, it's talking about before you received Christ, you were deceived, you were foolish. This is a characterization of the unregenerate, ungodly person. Turn now to First Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 3 says, For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in. And here's a list. First one, lasciviousness. What is that? It's filled with sexual desire. That's lewd. That's lustful. That's getting down in the bottom dredges of sexual. Lust. Lust has a meaning that's more than just sexual, folks. We read it lust a lot of times when we think in terms of sexual. No, you're lust. You might have a lust for eating. I have to watch that one. <laughs> I like to eat. Or lust to watch TV or lust. You fill in the blank. Uh, in um, excessive wine, revelings, banquetings, abominable idolatries. So all that to say this, that in Scripture, there's a tragic portrayal of the unregenerate man. He is being led as a victim, and he is led to dumb deities that cannot respond. And he cannot reply no matter how religious a man he is. See, you can be religious and not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. There's a need for a personal relationship. You can come here. You can be a great tither. That won't do anything for you. I used to have a friend, and he was talking about sin. And he was actually is a, he was a member of another uh, assembly of people. I'll say it that way. And uh, he said he was talking with the brethren, as he called them, and, and they asked the question about how bad was this one sin. And he said, well, he says, you know, brethren, if you double tithe, it's okay. He was joking. He was joking. But you can be religious and still be on your way to hell. It's tragic. It's tragic. So what's the connection between verses 2 and 3 and verse 1? And this is where we talked a little bit about how that people don't talk a lot about this. Verse 1 is talking about spirituals. And then, bang, all of a sudden it's talking about the heathen. It's talking about the heathen. The connection comes in the last phrase of verse 2. If you want to go back there. Verse 2, the last phrase of verse 2, first Corinthians chapter 12 verse 2 says even as ye were led even as you were led you're being led away they're victims they're victims in this church they're victims second Timothy chapter 3 verse 6 it uses the same verb again it says for of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins led away with divers lusts. It implies a leading away into sinfulness, into sinfulness. And so it has the implication, you're a victim. You're a victim. You realize that before you came to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're a victim. You're a victim. Being led away. 
being led away. Paul says to the Corinthians then, kind of paraphrasing in verse 2, you used to worship the way the pagans do. You used to worship and be led away by demons to ecstasies and enthusiasms that characterized the mystery religions. And remember, that's going back to the Tower of Babel. And then we fast forward to Revelation chapter 17, verse 5, where it talks about mystery Babylon and how that's all part of that religion. That's what he's saying. You brought those old patterns to church, and now you're allowing the demons to invade your worship. Wow. Unknowingly, unknowingly, we introduce into our worship demons control and influence. Wow. You were this way and now you've dragged it into church. That's why it's so important that we take God's word and we know it. We talk about God's word, how that it is uh, my guideline for all faith and practice. And I think that every one of us would stand up and say that. And yet, if we're honest with ourselves, we'll come to some place in God's scripture and we'll treat it like a buffet. And we'll say, oh, I got to have some of that roast beef. I like that fried chicken. They got liver and onions over there? Oh, no. Can't have that. Can't have that. And that's what we do with God's Word. We need to allow it to control us. We need to allow it to let us guide our lives. That's why it's, I'm talking to the church about where do we go from here? How are we going to move forward? Move forward. Let me try to jump here a little bit. Those that practice the gifts in this first Corinthians, first church, first century first Corinthians church, uh, did not get swept up into these ecstasies, into these trances. Why? They were not of the Holy Ghost. What happens? What happens? You've seen it on TV, perhaps. There seems to be chaos. Seems to be chaos. Being out of control is never the Christian using his gift. If you're out of control, you're not using your gift. You might have to say, well, brother, I was slain in the spirit. I was slain in the spirit. You may have been slain, but it wasn't not, was not his spirit. It was not spirit. How are they slain then? You know, what do you do? You come up, you've seen them on TV, they'll walk up on a platform, and maybe they've got some sort of a, uh, uh, they need to have a healing. They've got a bad back. They can barely walk. And so they get wrapped up into this ecstasy, and it's almost like an out-of-body experience. And so, yeah, they walk. And then the next day, they're flat on their back. Why? Because it was basically an out-of-body experience. Uh, it's a demonic thing. It's a hypnotic thing. But that's not the way the Spirit of God operates, His gift. Look uh, to chapter 14. Let me see if I can get there myself. Chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. 
chapter 14 and verse 15 says, What is it then? Uh, what is it then? I will pray the Spirit, yeah, and I will pray with uh, what? The understanding also. I will sing the Spirit, yeah, and I will sing with the understanding also. I heard a story years ago. They came out with a, a song supposedly, supposedly of singing in the Spirit. It was nothing but gibberish. Nobody could understand it. When something happens of God and someone is using their gift, you'll understand it. You'll recognize it as being of God, of God. Turn over to verse 33. Verse 33. It says, For God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. And then if you drop down to verse 40, it says, Let all things be done. Does it say indecently and out of order? No, it says decently and in order. The Spirit of God does not operate the gifts of God when you're out of control. And when you're under some sort of a supernatural seizure, whatever you want to call it. When someone goes out of control into a trance or faints or whatever, and supposedly slain in the Spirit, and maybe starts speaking uh, gibberish, supposedly uh, another language, uh, that is never of God. That's not of God. They're reflecting a pagan style of religion that corrupted the Corinthian church. And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. It's been all those first 11 chapters talking about these things. Now he's got to 12, 11, and 12, 13, and 14, and he's getting into the spiritual gifts. Getting into spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3 says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaketh by the Spirit of God, calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now here Paul is showing us the first principle that the genuine spiritual gift will be determined by. Paul's giving us a basic test. It's a positive and it's a negative. So we look at the negative first. Negative first. Here's the negative part of the test. No man speaketh by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. Let me kind of go quickly through this. What they had going on in here was people that were cursing Jesus. I mean, no child of God in their right mind would curse Jesus or call Jesus accursed. But this is what they had gone to. This is where they had gotten to. And the people in the church, a carnal church, carnal simply means they were saved, but they did not reflect or show any evidence probably in their life. But when they saw this happen and somebody cursed Jesus, oh, that's of God. That's of God. Because they got up and supposedly did it in a frenzy here. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting?
If somebody stood up in church here and did that, I pray that we would just look at them and say, sit down. You're out of order. That's not my Jesus. We don't talk that way here. But in this church, they were so carnal, and they would brought in these pagan religions and these pagan practices so much, they couldn't recognize. They could not discern. And as a child of God, you should be growing to the place where you're able to discern a spirit. If that spirit's of God, or if that spirit's not of God. They get wrapped up in these ecstatic, this supernatural. It's beyond human uh, ability. And they would figure, it's got to be of the Holy Spirit. It's got to be of God. And after all, it's happening in the church. It's happening here, so it's got to be of God. Don't be confused. There's a lot of things going on in churches today that are not of God. By the way, churches are well attended by Satan and his emissaries. Oh, he's here. He's here. Remember you read in Scripture where Jesus, uh, Satan is in heaven talking with God. He's around. He knows what's going on. And so they're being led away. They're being led away. We don't need to be wrapped up in that. It was definitely a carryover from the frenzy in verse 2. That's the connection here. When a person was beside himself with ecstasy, you know what they said in Corinth? They said, ah, that's of the Holy Spirit. That's of the Holy Spirit. But just because it happens in church, don't believe it to be of God. Way the spirits, way the spirit. So why would they say that about Jesus? Why would they basically curse Jesus? Why would they curse Jesus? In Deuteronomy chapter twenty-one, verse twenty-three, it says, "For he that is hanged is accursed of God." Galatians chapter three, verse thirteen it says, "Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed." is every one that hangeth on a tree. Paul's quoting back from Deuteronomy. And much of the Jewish Christian, uh, criticism of Christianity might have been, how could you claim that man was the Messiah? And so basically they're trying to separate Christ and Jesus. And they're trying to reject the deity of Jesus. And you cannot do that. And so they would call him accursed. He would call him accursed. I'm editing. This was a heresy that was creeping in to the church at that time. This teaching, this false doctrine that Jesus was not truly God. You cannot have man. How can you have Jesus, he's all man, but he's all God. I mean, as intelligent as you are, I don't believe one of us here could adequately in our own ability explain that. And they certainly couldn't buy into that, especially with that Jewish culture and that Jewish religion. See, because they had to admit, we have crucified the Messiah. And so they wanted to cover themselves.
verse 3. Let's see. Go to uh, 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians. Look. It's just a few months later that he wrote this passage. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, it says, I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his craftiness, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity, the subtlety, that is in Christ, that is in Christ. We need to avoid falling into the trap of believing in another Jesus. The simple thing about Christ, the invisible Christ. I'm going to try to wrap this up and close this morning. I opened this morning and I talked a little bit about the counterfeit that Satan does. Satan works hard at counterfeiting all the things that are good of God. Satan works especially hard at the gifts. We shy away from them as conservative, independent, fundamental Baptists because we don't want to be caught up or labeled or even come close to being called a charismatic type Christian where we speak in tongues and things like that. And again, there are gifts that are no longer available. They were for a sign until the fulfillment of the Word of God came into its perfect form. But Satan works hard at trying to counterfeit these gifts. Just based upon that common sense fact right there should tell you there's some importance to them. And the importance is this, that as we come to church, it's more about sitting down and singing half-heartedly a couple of songs or maybe putting in $5 into the offering when you had $10 you could have put in. Uh, it's, it's really becoming involved in participating and understanding and knowing that you have a particular part in this body and that God intends for you to do some particular things so that the body might be edified. Why? So that the body might display and show itself to be Christ-like. Why? so that the body can then go and take it into the world and show Christ in the world. Oh, that we would have a heart such that we get up in the morning and say, God, I don't know what you got prepared for me today, but I want to let you know that I will not miss one opportunity to proclaim your name. We're trying to, we're trying to sell our house. Not a good time, <laughs> but we'll see. I had a guy came to the house the other day, and uh, he was a realtor. And I looked, and he's Hispanic. And he showed me his name, and I said, it was Enoch. It was E-N-O-C. I said, you're missing the H, Enoch. And he kind of smiled at me. I said, Enoch. I said, that's a good name. And yes, he said. I said, do you walk with God? You know, just a little something silly but it brought scripture back to mind. Enoch was not, for God took him. He walked with God. Just trying to be a witness and testimony. Just trying to open a conversation. Whatever I can do in order to have an opportunity to talk to somebody about the Lord. I don't know this man. I don't know that I'll ever see him again. 
but we could do that. I mean, do you love God enough that you could tell you would tell God, I'll be a witness and testimony for you. I will let you use me. And when you come into this body, and we come in here, and you know what? We're imperfect. Uh, we got ailments. I got a bum shoulder and, and a whole lot of other bum things, it seems like. And, and uh, you're the same way. We've got some things going on in our life, and we've got our own particular problems. But can we come in here and say, God, here's my problems. What can I do? How can I be encouragement to my brother and sister in Christ? How can I help this body to move forward for you, to move forward for you? As pastor here, it's my responsibility to teach the Word of God. Ah, I, I look at that, and that's humbling to think because I look at myself, and I know my frailties. I know my inability. I know we've got a graduate sitting back here, and you, it's quite an accomplishment. But the learning has only begun. I mean, I went to school a lot of years. The learning has only begun. You're 68. Man, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm learning as I go. But my responsibility is to teach you why, how to come to maturity, how to come to maturity. So that when something happens, hey, and I like the phone calls. I get a call from Ricky. He'll say, hey, Pastor, this is what's going on. And I'll say, appreciate it. Thank you very much. George, you know, some others. And that's great. But when that certain something happens, whoa, you go, whoa. Well, wait a minute. What's God's word say? I got this. I got this. I know what to do. I don't have to rest upon my own thoughts, my own philosophies. I go back to the word of God. Why? Because you've matured in God's word. You know the teaching. You believe the teaching. And it's been given to us as a pattern. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I appreciate so much you being attentive this morning. Tried to cover this as thoroughly as I can. But you know, there's nothing that says that you cannot go home and open your Bible and reread 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 this morning and kind of rehearse some of these things in your own mind. That's good for you to do. You need to search the Scriptures daily. My heart's desire for Makiro Baptist Church is that we will not do anything that would hinder the work of the Holy Spirit within this body. That means that we have, each and every one of us, we've got to make sure that there's not sin in our lives, that we're not fighting against one another, that we're allowing the Holy Spirit to be the common denominator. I've, I've aligned myself with God's Holy Spirit according to His Word, and so that once we do that as a body, we are all united. And now we're at, like Book of Acts, we're all of one accord. That's my heart's desire for this church. You may be here this morning and you say, I do not know this Jesus that you're talking about. Well, just simply this. The Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
goes on to say in the next verse that he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but guess what? The world was condemned already. You may not sit there and say, I don't believe that. It doesn't make any difference whether you believe it or not. It's true. The Bible says that he's not willing that any should perish. He's come to seek and to save that which was lost. If that's your condition this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, he wants to save you. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he will save you if you will receive him. Maybe you're here this morning and you're looking for church home. I'd have you pray and consider that maybe God would have you come and join yourself to this body that he would fitly join you together. Whatever your need is this morning, I have a word of prayer. And as Andrea plays, uh, then I'll ask you to just come and meet with God at the altar. Father, have your will and way, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me, please. Heads bowed. Eyes closed. No one looking around. Just a moment or two of invitation.